podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to your post-match Raw on AI Pro, podcasting to you from my field here in beautiful rural Ireland. I'm Trev Downey and joining me to give their immediate reactions to Arsenal 3, Liverpool 2 in the Premier League from the Emirates Stadium are Dave Hendrick and Harry Sethi. Uh, Dave, that sound that we can all hear is the last remnants of uh, people's hope around this league campaign uh, dissipating, I think. Um, a, a lot of air gone out of a lot of tyres if they weren't already flat. Yeah, well, you'd hope that the last remnants are gone. They should have been gone a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it's been very clear since about five minutes into the Fulham game that something was wrong and nothing has happened since to change that. People got a false sense of we're back because we beat a very mediocre Rangers team who would struggle in the championship. And, you know, chickens came home to roost today. Anybody with half a brain could have warned Jürgen that that midfield pairing would not work against Arsenal because of one specific individual. And it took less than a minute for that reason to get highlighted. And that carried on as a uh, factor in the game. Klopp made bizarre changes through the game. Um, But it must be said, like, there's going to be a lot of fawning and fluff over Arsenal. The bottom line is, we're awful at the minute. This is the worst Liverpool team in in seven years. Uh, The best Arsenal team in God knows how long. And yet they needed two really, really dodgy VAR decisions to beat us. And not just to beat us, but to actually avoid defeat. So, you know, as bad and all as we are, and as bad as that performance by Liverpool were, that's the team who were top of the league. And yet, you play that game nine more times and we probably get at least a couple of draws and a couple of wins. So, I don't know. We we were awful. That's the be-all and end-all. And, and the blame must be put squarely at the feet of the manager for his team selection, the changes he made, and the blind loyalty he continues to show to one specific individual who has done nothing to warrant that loyalty. It's hard to argue with any of that, Harry. And when you think um, about whatever excitement you might have had about the consistency of going with a a new approach for two games in a row, um, the ongoing whatever it is between Klopp and his single most effective midfielder for the last X amount of years and most successful midfielder in terms of trophies won is a worry, regardless of whatever else um, you want to say. I 
you know, it, the the concept of it just simply being formulated, well, that goes out the window when you look at some of the other performances uh, who don't seem to um, uh, be rewarded with the same hook uh, that Fabinho's gotten. So that is a worry in and of itself. The other point there that Dave raises is just that, you know, there is something just askew and has been. You don't need a sixth sense to pick up on it. It's been pretty evident from the start, a looseness to our play, the intensity, famed intensity uh, in absentia, and a lack of energy uh, in almost all the things that we do and pace in the way that we operate. All of those things are crucial elements of the identity of this club under Klopp. And, I mean, we've seen the manager literally shaking his head and going, well, we're going to have to reinvent ourselves. Um, sooner that happens, the better, Harry. Yeah. Um, I I try and avoid being reactionary, Trevor. I mean, I think I, th- I, think, I, think, you, I think you probably know that by now. I'm sure the listeners know that by now. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm quite alarmed. I'm quite alarmed by what I'm seeing because it, it, it does, I feel like a lot of the blame really does fall at the feet of the manager here um, because there's only so much time that you can berate players for you know perhaps perhaps it's it, it's it's le- legitimate to blame certain players for not maybe putting in the same level of effort i think there are a couple on that team that need to be looked at in terms of it does seem as though they're ramping themselves down a little bit and you wonder why that is but um largely i mean the issue this season is like we we've tweaked this system for certain reasons and i'm sure there was logic uh, or logical thinking behind why we've done that i mean dave's talked about the system that we've maybe been trying to implement of of, uh, of pep linders which it seems to be that or seems to be that didn't really work and i think one of the large large reasons why it didn't work is we didn't really have the personnel uh, to enable us to do that it's questionable as to sort of whether or not we actually could implement that style in the premier league anyway um and we've, we allowed the engine room of our team uh, to rust effectively because it's yeah, it's, it's probably the, the key component in that word intensity that you mentioned is the engine room of our team. It's why when everything changed was when the spine was reinforced with Fab with with Virgil and um, with um, uh, with with Allison obviously, but Fab being that huge addition in midfield. We've seen sort of the uh, the, the impact that that Thiago's had in that midfield as well. We saw the impact Ginny had in the past. The impact Henderson's had a uh, long time in the past as well. Um, it feels that we've allowed that to drift, and as a result, we we found ourselves sort of drifting through the season, surprised that things weren't going well. We changed it again against Rangers, as you highlighted, Trev, an average, probably average championship level team, um, was quite surprised really by the level of loving I saw after that game uh, for for Jordan Henderson. And again, I'm, I'm, it's, it's going to be hard not to make it a pod about him because it. He is obviously um, a large reason behind this, but was surprised by the loving because, I mean, we have to be honest, it's Rangers. Uh, and yet I, I come away from that game and I feel like I felt with a number of other games this season, the United loss as well, teams uh, not having to play that well, really, to beat, to beat this Liverpool team. Uh, Liverpool giving away cheap, stupid goals, um, largely in the same areas as, as we've seen. I thought today they were also not helped by that's a pretty dreadful refereeing as well. But, you know, you, you're going to get that down the road. But I'm alarmed because, you know, the last 20 minutes of that game, Trev, some of the decisions we saw that were made, and, you know, we needed to get back into the game eventually, and Jota's on the bench, and our, what, golden boot out of three out of the last four, 
seasons, like the player we were delighted to sign on to an extension, the best player on our side is is on the bench and has seemingly been marginalized by the the system that we're trying to to play. So there's, there's a lot of things there. I know I've rambled on a bit, not plenty of uh, easy answers, but yeah, I think it's it's pretty alarming. I, I don't see I don't see where it clicks. I'm glad you've flagged up all the things you did because we can't ignore them. They are going to be uh, a great deal of uh, there are a great deal of elephants in the room at the moment that need addressing, and 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 that's really um, what we try to do here in the show. And um, before we get into the details of the match, which will expose all of the points made by both Dave and Harry, there, let's just take a quick look at how we lined up. We've alluded to Liverpool's lineup already, uh, alluded to the fact that it was unchanged from uh, the Rangers' victory with Allison, uh, Trent, Matab, Van Dijk, and Simicus, with uh, Henderson and Thiago. And then Salah, Jota, Diaz and Nunes. And it's all very exciting and all the rest of it. Uh, and we can talk about how and whether that worked or not. Our bench on the day has Kelleher, Gomez, Fabinho, Canate, Milner, Fabinho, uh, Elliot, Carvalho and Phillips. And exciting uh, aspects of the day for me. Um, the continued contribution of Bobby Firmino, whether from start or from the bench, is uh, a, a little positive. Um, and the return of Ibu Kanate, who was on the pitch barely a few moments when he was making uh, vital inter- interceptions, uh, basically on the goal line, um, clearances and blocks and stuff. These are good things, I guess, uh, and we can get to them as we go through the details of the match. But I'd like to look at the Arsenal team with you. Uh, both of you have alluded to while the fact that they are good, they're perhaps not as st- stellar as as their positions warrant. I can't help, lads, but when I look at that team and see um, Martinelli, who we were linked with, and see Saka, who we're, we've we've been linked with, and think, my God, how good would they be in our team? And We've sort of started to cycle backwards uh, as they bomb on and become part of this, uh, well, exciting, if nothing else, Arsenal team with a lot of young talent in it. And they started off with Ramsdale. They had Ben White, Saliba and Gabriel and Tomiyasu. Then they had uh, Partey and Saka, Odegaard, Xhaka, Martinelli and Gabi Jesus. So let me start with you, Dave, on them. Uh, you look at their bench, they can bring on the likes of Nketiah and Tierney, who are solid players. They brought on uh, Vieira as well at one point. And then they've got Lakonga holding uh, Turner and Marquinhos and Nelson making up the numbers there on that bench. Um, in terms of them as the real deal, in inverted commas, they have gone back top now with that win for all the falling over Manchester City and uh, the scariness of their um, uh, cheat code striker. Um, it is still Arsenal top. Um, there have been questions asked about whether or not they were uh, playing the kind of opposition that would warrant them being taken seriously in that position. Um, I don't know if we (laughs) currently count as that type of opposition, but as you pointed out, they did have to dig it out. It was it was a it was was dug out for them. Yeah, there was there was there was a a big degree of 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 luck in their favour. Are you taking them seriously yet as potential um, title shake-up candidates, or is that just uh, no, not even not even a little bit? They no. won't get within ten points of City by the end of the season. They played Palace first game of the season. Palace had, had no preseason. They played Leicester, who are the worst team in the league this year. They played Bournemouth the week before we beat them nine nil. They played newly promoted Fulham. I know we drew with Fulham, but they're still newly promoted Fulham, and they need a lot of luck to beat them. 
They played an awful Aston Villa team. The first good team they played was United, who schooled them. Then they did beat Brentford. That's fair play. But, you know, you're then seven games into the season, you've played one team likely to finish in the top eight. And you've lost to them. Then they played Spurs. And to their credit, they did deserve to win against Spurs. But I'd love to have seen what would have happened in that game if the Emerson red card doesn't happen on 62 minutes because it was shaping up for a good last half hour. And then they play us. And yes, we will finish somewhere in the top eight. But we are awful at the minute. Like, And we were awful today. And yet they still struggled and needed a massive dig out from VAR. There's a lot of good players in that team. I, I do very much like some of their players. Wouldn't be keen on Ramsdale. But I do like Ben White more as a right-back than a centre-back. I think Saliba's got a big future. I think uh, Gabriel is capable of being good, but he's also error-prone. Tommy Asu is excellent. Of that defence, he is, by a considerable margin, the best defender of the four. He's obviously a lot better on the right than on the left. Uh, Tomas Partey is is a, a good player. It's just very questionable whether he should be allowed to play football at the minute, uh, given what's going on. Uh, Granit Xhaka is, is still Granit Xhaka. And regardless of the fact that he's in good form, he's still Granit Xhaka. We've been watching this guy play in this league for six years. He didn't all of a sudden become a world-class player. He's still the same player he was for the last six years. We just gave him all the space in the world today. I love the front four. Saka is one of my favourite players in the league. I think he is absolutely sensational. I really like Odegaard. Mark Nelly is an outrageous talent. And Jesus, while I'm still not sure he's an out-and-out nine that can get you where you want to go, there's just little parts of his game that I love. Like his dribbling is very Suarez-esque. His cry-arsing and and blatant uh, feigning of injuries very Suarez-esque. If you look at that bench, I mean, Kieran Tinney's a good left-back. Fabio Vieira's a very talented playmaker. None of the rest of them would make our squad. And Ketty is okay, holding bang average. Suarez is well past his best. Lekonga's bang average. Reese Nelson hasn't developed. Marquinhos is a bit of an unknown. Um, and Matt Turner isn't better than Queeving, let alone Ali. So, you know, you go man for man and we lined up in the same shape as them today. Like, realistically, how many of their players that started today get in our team if our team is playing well? Now, Thomas gets in over Henderson, but he doesn't get in over Fab. I would take Odegaard or Saka over Jota as a 10. And I think that's it. Like, I do think that's it. You look at our team, we've got Fab, who's been our best midfielder of the Klopp era, sitting on the bench. Kanate sitting on the bench. Bobby sitting on the bench. I just, like when you're playing 4-2-3-1, you need to play with somebody in that number 10 position who can link play. And I know Jota got an assist today, but he is not a technically proficient player. We left better players on the bench then we're starting for them. Fab, Ibu, and Bobby, in my view, all start. Maybe not Bobby, but Fab and Ibu certainly start for them. And yet we've got them sat on the bench. <clears throat> Their lack of depth will hurt them over the season. They're one injury to a key player, and they will be 
they will struggle because they just don't have the replacements. They've got a bit of depth at fullback. That's kind of it. They've got Vieira if, if anything happens to Odegaard. That's kind of it. Like if Saka or Martinelli gets hurt, they don't have them, the players to come in. If Jesus gets hurt, are you going to rely on Eddie and Ketia? They're definitely more of a threat for top four than I thought they were. But look, we've seen teams start the season really, really well in the past. We saw Leicester a couple of years ago start the season really, really well and then bottle it. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if Arsenal end up fifth because we're still a better team than them. City are a better team than them. And I think Chelsea and Spurs are still better teams than them. Arsenal just in better form at the minute. And Arsenal haven't had any disruption. And they have spent a boatload of money. Like, they'd want to be somewhere there or thereabouts in the mix for top four with the sheer volume of money that they've spent. Like, you look at that. Ramsdale, White, Saliba, Gabriel, Tomiyasu, Thomas Partey, Odegaard and Gabriel Jesus. They've all arrived in the last three years. And then... You've got a couple on the bench, the likes of uh, Vieira, Laconga. They came in in the last couple of years as well. I, I just, if, if you're going to spend the type of money, you should be good. Like, they've spent more money than anybody. So you should be in the mix. But I just don't see it happening for them over the course of the year. It'll get tougher when the Europa League ramps up into more difficult games and he can't just rotate and play the second string because they're playing some you know team from Norway or somewhere. Uh, when he has to start playing his players more frequently. And after the, remember, after the World Cup, the league gets a lot more frequent as well. You're not getting a week between games to plan. I think that's where they'll get found out. You're right. I think that squad does look a little anemic when you break it down and go into it a bit. And um, pressure on it would definitely cause them to fall away. Speaking of potentially anemic squads, we now have, according to our manager, both Trent and Diaz injuries not looking good. Um, and Harry's pointed out that Diaz is uh, knocking around the mix zone on crutches there. So that's uh, tremendous news. Uh, Harry, do you want to give you a chance to talk about Arsenal really quick before we get into the match itself? Because obviously you'll have had a look ahead to it. And um, I mean, having gotten this, the perspective of, of, uh, of, of uh, an Arsenal supporter, uh, and I know, <laughs> much to your chagrin, uh, you are you are um, blessed with a good a goodly amount of them in your extended um, uh, family and friend group. So uh, there must be a degree of delight. Is there any realism there? Because you see an awful lot of uh, fan groups um, get carried away, and of course. Arsenal fan TV, I think, is a, gives a jaundiced picture, I'd imagine, of, 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 of what, what, what Arsenal fans actually are. But I have seen just, again, and it's a, it's a fake sort of, a, it's probably a fake sample, but my God, there's a lot of getting carried away going on. And um, if even half of what Dave yeah. is saying there comes to fruition, um, it, they might end up with a little bit of egg on the face. What, what, what do you think is the general take? Are they, are they really considering themselves to be uh, in the shakeup? Uh, I mean, my guest, um, Adam, he's, he certainly didn't. He seemed to be a bit more level-headed in terms of uh, maybe a bit cautious based upon past experience of how Arsenal had been. Um, there are a couple of shouts in there. I mean, obviously, I think that there's there's a discussion at the moment that Saliba is the next, um, is the second coming of Van Dyke. And so I said to him that basically 
Uh, you, you have to wait until fans start celebrating when players dribble plus your centre back until you can sort of, <laughs> sort of say that Saliba's reached reached that level of sort of rent free uh, living inside people's heads. But looks very good. Uh, I think I'm probably similar with with Dave in, in terms of thinking there's, there's a lot of talent in that in that squad. Uh, I, I, I think being fair about it, uh, Arsenal as a fan base online, I think they are they are one of the more um, uh, erratic and I'd say in places quite delusional fan base and like I'm sure people get wind up about that every fan base has that section of their fan base online Arsenal's is pretty bad it, it, it does seem to be quite bad um, but I don't know how carried away they're getting I have seen some league shouts I'm sure that as you mentioned people in my my extended family will be uh, if they're still on this wave quite hopeful about that I don't I don't quite see it myself they don't have the steel in that team, or the, or really the the real cutting edge, uh, I think up front to, to to sort of sustain a a title challenge like that, especially when they're up against um, you know sort of the the state backed club, um, it's very difficult to compete with them and the and the cyborg obviously. But uh, yeah, a talented team. There's work. There's been good work um, going in there to make them sort of diet sort of diet Man City, if you will, based on how they try and play. Um, I think there's some yeah, there's players in there that I'd love to have in Liverpool's team in terms of Saka and Martinelli, Martinelli in terms of talent. So you can only imagine sort of how we could mould those. But um, I, I don't quite see it, really. Um, I think they're a, a good top four side. They look at the moment, I think they'll probably finish third or fourth. And, and maybe maybe there'll be some strong, you know, a strong points total for those finishes. But I don't quite see it. Um, I think when they have played teams that have been a bit more tactical now so they haven't shot themselves in the foot like we did today or, or get handed a helping hand from the ref um, they have found it a bit tricky they have found it a bit tricky so let's see what happens with the the added european pressure that they'll feel through the um the europa and uh, also what will happen when inevitably there's a couple injuries right a couple injuries to some of those key players uh, let's see see what happens but for me yeah top three maybe if they do everything right uh, but yeah, top four is what they're what they're fighting for this season. Stay with me. We'll have a look at the opening um, goings of this match today. Sure. It was obviously quite a bit um, to talk about right from the very start. Um, yeah. <laughs> full disclosure as well. Uh, my uh, seemingly endless issues around uh, internet signal um, caused me to have very very patchy coverage for the first fourteen minutes or so. So um, I was aware that we had gone down within the first minute, and I just cut out just as they were cel- beginning the celebration. Um, I missed then the five minutes of followed uh, frantically yeah. trying to change um so just to go through those first 15 but we can't really because we have to stop in that first minute harry and we have to see and talk about how it within that first minute martinelli has put them one nil up now it, it basically there's a loss of possession by liverpool um which is punished instantly um Martinelli gets on to a, a very nice through ball by Odegaard, who had taken his time and hit, uh, released the pass very nicely. Uh, and uh, Martinelli strides onto it and finishes it past uh, Ali coming in from the left with his right foot. Um, I think there was a VAR check for for offside, but it stood anyway. Um, now, an awful lot of people are going to read a lot into the coughing up of possession, which happened on a regular basis um, uh, as this match uh, played out. Um, where, do, 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 where can you or where did you find yourself with the multiple replays? 
plays apportioning blame around the concession of that. Because to me, I have to say, uh, and this goes back to the manager as well, um, you know, if we're going to be doing anything um, in games at the moment, it must be high, high levels of concentration and effort from minute one. Um, was it a case of just over committing and being caught with a classic counter? And do we have to hold, hold our hands up or do you see more issues around it than that? Um, I mean, I think, I think we got caught. I think, I mean, in, in those moments and games, you see sides that are not uh, intense enough, if we're going to keep, using, keep throwing that word out there, because uh, it's, becoming, it's becoming sarcastic. Uh, you know, we've seen us punish sides in the early moments of first half, second halves, right before half time. You, know, you, do, you do see sometimes see sides that are careless and don't have enough defensive protection, really, or that's not foremost in their minds. Uh, get punished in those moments. Admittedly, getting conceding in the very first minute is something that's you know, galling to take, especially when you've had a manager uh, coming out and talking about defending the shit out of situations uh, for the remainder of the season, uh, especially galling that came from exactly the same channel area that we've seen ourselves concede from multiple times this season. Seen Trossard had a, had a great deal of fun in that area of the pitch uh, when we played Brighton in the last game. So, I think, um, I thought, I, th- I mean, I, we'll probably go on to talk about it, but I thought we responded well to that. I think that there, there were positive things about the shape. I thought there were positive aspects of the performances of the midfield in moments in that game. But it, it, it just comes down to, I, I just think that right side is just not good enough. Um, I, th- I, th- I think you, like, even even prime Henderson, to be honest, I think is you know, somebody who was never that defensively minded. I think we just need a more, tactically <laughs> physically switched on player in that in, in in that role not 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 to say that it was entirely his fault but we gave it away cheaply we put ourselves under pressure early in the game they were aggressive they were pressing us but yeah, it's just just so poor i mean it's this is the sort of thing that you imagine has been drilled into them in the on the training ground drilled into them before the game they're all speaking to each other geeing themselves up about how to start positively and then it's just a bit casual and it's a bit laboured, uh, and I'm sure that there's an element of luck in there as well, but they just slice through us, and then yet again, we've got this got this mountain to climb where they can effectively, whatever their game plan would have been, you know, they can change it, they can sit deep and look to counter us, and it's quite tricky, tight rope to walk. So, yeah, I thought, I thought there were things in that goal that were indicative of, of the issues we've had all season. I also think there's, there's elements of, you know, fortune in there as well that's you know, specific to this game. So, yeah, when it when it rains, it pours, you know? There was a horrendous stat offered by um, the lad. You can always count on to cheer you up when it comes to a little uh, nuggets about Liverpool, which was basically Tyler saying that at one point there that Liverpool have spent more moments or minutes mm-hmm. behind in matches, just eight games in, than they did in the entirety of last season. Um, that Martin was on good form, wasn't it? I thought, I thought he's obviously enjoying the uh, the Jesus risen line, you know, a bunch of oh, other crap. Yeah, 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 yeah. He yeah. Was, he was, it was it was it was pretty 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 classic, yeah, Tyler. All right, but I just thought that in and of itself as a stat, as a stat is 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 just a horrendous depiction Damn of the scene so far. And you know what? The bigger scheme of things here, I'll bring you in on this day as well to just give your reflection on the first fifteen minutes or so. If you want to talk about that goal, because the only other things of note that I have were that. Um, uh, I know Luis Diaz picks up a yellow card on six minutes, and um, in terms of our our um, uh, management of those uh, opening fifteen minutes, I would have thought the second 
10 minutes of the opening 20 uh, weren't as bad for us, but those first 10 or 12 were pretty lame. But overall, like we have only eight attempts in the in the whole game. You think, okay, that's pretty bad. We have 57% of the ball. Arsenal only managed 11. Um, and, you know, we know that a couple of those are uh, gifted to them by uh, certain decisions. So, you know, it's just... Again, it, it's, it, it, there's a lot more nuance around this game than just simply that final score, um, for sure. Um, is there anything else that you want to pick on from those opening few minutes? Like I said, the only the other thing I can see is that there is that moment on 14 where Jota is trying to get the ball across and it seems to be pretty much a, a hand-to-ball scenario from yeah. Gabriel that, I mean, no matter how many times I've watched it now, I can't really understand anything getting given but that and it's very hard not to take out your um martyr complex and give it a bit of a shine up when you see stuff like that dave i'm sorry the, the two of the biggest moments of the game are in that first 14 minutes the, that is 100 a penalty and nothing is going to convince me otherwise uh he there is no reason for him to have his hand in that position he's not putting his hand there for balance or any other nonsense that any of the commentators tried to claim. I had Graham Lasso on commentary, which, as you can imagine, was an absolute joy. And he was like, oh, no, he has his hand there for balance. Nonsense. Is he leaning against an imaginary wall? Absolute nonsense. That is handball. That should have been a penalty. And as uh, Harry points out, he has did exactly the same thing 20 minutes later and got, got given free kick against him. Um, but, I mean, we have to talk about this goal. Uh, this is fundamental, rudimentary stuff. The most basic thing you will ask from your holding midfielder when you play 4-2-3-1 is to pick up the runs of their number 10. Not only does Henderson not pick him up, he actively runs away from him. Mm, it looks he bad. actively runs away from the player he should be marking. There is no reason at all for him to go towards the ball. Well, here's the question. Where is he going on that? Where, where is, he, is, he, is he going to ball? Is that what he's doing? Because does he have an opportunity to even get there? That's what I'm looking at. I'm, he's I can't... never getting to that ball. Yeah, so I don't, I don't get it, man. Never. I don't get it, yeah. And if he's going to do what he does, then he needs to block the passing lane to Odegaard. But he doesn't do that either. And because he doesn't do that, they then have an overload. Now, it's not helped by the fact that Mo doesn't track well enough, but that's irrelevant because it's not Tommy Asu who scores. By Henderson not tracking his man, and it is his man because he is beside him and skips around him and runs away from him in the middle of the park. By him not doing that, one of the back four has to step out and meet Odegaard. And the way Odegaard is running, it has to be one of Matip or Trent. And because Matip is the one marking Gabriel Jesus, it has to be Trent that steps out to meet him. And unfortunately, Trent taking that step forward leaves a big run of space for Martinelli to run in behind. But that doesn't happen if... We're not asking Henderson to do massively important or impressive things here. We're asking him to simply do his job. Like, it's the most basic thing in football. Just do your fucking job. And he doesn't do it. And he cost us two goals with his ineptitude defensively against Brighton. And a minute into this game, he cost us another one 
by not doing his job. Just track the runner. If you track the runner, after you skip round him, you're between him and the ball, which means the ball can't get to him. All you need to do is stay in front of him. Yeah. And he didn't. He abandoned ship to go and look for the ball that he was never going to get near. They played it into Odegaard. Trent has to step out. I'm not having Trent been blamed for that first goal. There's a portion of the blame for the second goal, obviously, that will go to Trent. But not on that first goal. He has to stop and step out because Henderson has left Odegaard. And Odegaard is running with the ball at his feet with two players to his left, with a striker in front and absolutely acres around him. You know, uh, it's an obvious flaw uh, that should be um, seen by by most when the walking top man suit that is um, Jamie Redknapp can point out exactly what you've pointed out, yeah. and it's 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 not you know. It and you know take... what? It was really nice to see one one pundit have the absolute have the bottle to call him out, while the other sat there with one thumb in their mouth. And the other one up their arse waiting for someone to say switch. A bunch of mindless drones sitting in that studio, not calling out what's in front of them. Instead, choosing to follow a nonsense narrative about this young player at right back. This is the, the captain of Liverpool Football Club. This is the fellow we've all been told for years covers for Trent. Well, I'll, I can go and find you 100 clips of Trent being left. Two and three v one with his captain playing right side midfield, nowhere to be seen. Harry's right. Henderson's never been a good de- good defensive player. We've been calling it out on this podcast for years. He's never been a good defensive player, but he runs a lot. And people think running a lot equates to defensive work. It doesn't. Go back you- and look at a bunch of the goals conceded last season, the season before that. You can find goals conceded in the title season and the Champions League winning season where he does exactly the same type of stuff as he does today, as he did last week, where he's not tracking his runner or he's passing them off to somebody that doesn't exist. Yeah, look, if you tell a story often enough, it seems to stick. That's just the, the way of the world in 2022. Um, well, see, he's a good, he's a good white English grafter, Trev. And good white English grafters, they do their jobs, but he doesn't. He just doesn't do his job. He'll never get criticism because of the privilege that he has of being a certain demographic. A white English hardworking midfielder is what he's seen as. And he'll be exempt from criticism in the same way all the other players of that same ilk have been exempt from criticism for years and years and years. Harry, let's take it, you and I, up as far as where something positive happens. And they do start to happen a little bit. Like I said, the second 10 of those opening was 70% possession for the Reds for what that's worth, because almost immediately after we saw a nice switch ball after a bit of a turn and a run by Luis Diaz, who's obviously our brightest player in the opening goings, um, the move petered out. Um, there was a dangerous Martinelli cross in 21 minutes and then we saw Trent down crock. Now there's a follow through um, in terms of a tackle, which basically takes his ankle out and rolls it really badly. It looked horrendous. I didn't think there was any way the lad was getting up when I saw the um, replay. He did. He played on for a while and he then eventually had to go off later on. The same thing happened with Luis Diaz. Same thing. Got injured, got up, got on with it, got another knock. Um, those two guys now, we are being told by the manager, 
don't look good in terms of their injuries. Uh, and whatever about maybe just for the lads peace of mind as much as anything else it possibly wouldn't have been the worst thing in the world to have a spell where Joe was playing instead of Trent losing Luis Diaz is an absolute nightmare the one guy we can always count on to turn up and um, put in a, 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 a really really warrior like performance so it's 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 a worry in terms of what happens on the uh, before the goal. We did see an opportunity for uh, Darwin Nunes on 25 minutes. It was a fiercely hit shot from a tight angle over on the right side after Mo Salah had picked out his run. It was a nice run across the defence to find a bit of space and hit the shot basically um, uh, back to, back from where it came um, uh, back the opposite direction to where he was running. Um, but the keeper parried it. Um, a clear yellow for me as Thomas Partey took out Luis Diaz on 26 minutes. Nothing from Oliver um, who had a really, really poor game. Um, there was a bit of pressure and a cross by Tamiyasu and then Jesus was dribbling over on that left side and hits a sort of low cross shot dribbler, which Ali gets down to. Uh, on 29 minutes, another great Nunez cross. He looked very bright in those opening goings uh, into Luis Diaz, but it got blocked. On 31, Mo kind of drove a Tamiyasu shot wide of the near post over there on the right-hand side. And then on 33, we are level. And it's kind of, we, we had the impetus at that point and it was, I think, a deserved equaliser. It was Darwin, Nunez, Harry. Um, a kind of percentage dink ball over the top by Trent, which wasn't actually going to pick anyone out, ended up being intercepted yeah. by their defender, uh, but not quite accurately enough. Luis Diaz pounces on that miscontrol, um, takes the ball, drifts to the right and centres it beautifully for Darwin, who is arriving in the middle and slides it home, I think with the outside of his left foot, um, mm. to, to finish well. Uh I felt at that stage, I'll be honest with you, with the little head of steam that we were building up, it was no more than, than, than Liverpool deserved at that period of the game. Yeah, completely agree. I mean, just before we get to the goal, I mean, just there, there are a couple of points in in that period as well. I mean, I think you mentioned uh, that that tackle on Trent and obviously he's eventually, eventually has to go off the pitch. Uh, th- that for me was another one of these of these decisions, right? Where you, you look at it and... I'm told. I mean, I'm, I'm repeatedly told uh, that um, intent doesn't matter, malice doesn't matter. Uh, it's 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 what you do. It's 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 have you been reckless? And uh, you mean you're watching it, and it's like that's that's reckless. Like your your foot's your foot's off the ground. Yes, it's one foot, but you've gone in. You very easily could have broken that guy's ankle if things had been different. If he'd really planted his foot on the ground, and nothing is given. There's not, there's not a yellow card for you know just to warn the player. You know, I know you didn't mean that, but you know that, that was dangerous play. There's not even the, the 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 discussion around it being potentially a red for 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 violent play. <laughs> whilst whilst the player is down, holding his ankle, struggling to walk, there, there, there's seemingly no review of that challenge, which I just I just found amazing, really, to be honest. Um, and I, again, you're hearing these shouts about he's not that kind of player, et cetera, et cetera. I really don't care. I've I'm, 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 I'm been told, I've been led to believe that doesn't matter. And that if you're reckless and you're endangering somebody, you know, the least you could sort of expect is that's going to get looked at. So I was really surprised that there was there was nothing there. Um, Nunes, as you mentioned, looked bright. Uh, Diaz, as we talked about, sort of got, got uh, a foul given against him for a handball, which is... The, the identical thing that um, we'd seen sort of Gabriel get away with, I think it was, 
And then the goal, yeah, Diaz, very bright, uh, very, as you mentioned, sort of pounced on it. It wasn't a great ball, but pounced on the the chance that he saw, uh, bursts into that sort of right-hand side, good cross. Nunes is doing what you want every poacher to do. Uh, and I thought, yeah, it looked really, I thought it was a really encouraging um, moments from Nunes over the past couple of games. The movement is excellent. He looks like somebody who, uh, you know, is doing all the right stuff to get into positions to uh, have numbers of chances to, uh, you know, when his finishing improves, uh, almost like the, the finish Bobby had later on in the uh, in the game. Uh, there's going to be more goals there, so I was I was encouraged by that. And I, I agree with you, Trevor. We we pushed them back. There was a nervousness that was creeping into their game. Uh, and uh, yeah, I thought we were really sort of asserting ourselves on them. Which only makes it more disappointing, Dave, doesn't it, to see how the game progressed from that point. Because that's 33 minutes. And immediately afterwards, actually, I think it's a Henderson through ball, puts Luis Diaz uh, in and Saliba kind of eases him off it um, in a way that's quite... He was offside, but can we just talk about that for a second? Because if he releases the ball at the right time, nobody's offside. Because Henderson holds on to the ball, Jota drifts offside, and that's what the offside gets given against. Like, entirely brainless. You've got their line high, you're moving on to the ball, and you've got two speedsters to just knock the ball in behind to. And yet he insists on taking 12 touches when all he needs to do is get it out of his feet and play the ball. Shocking. It's Not frustrating. To realize, yeah, Trevor as well. But I mean, I, I mean, we we we've on these pods. We've spoken about Hendo a lot, and spoken about certain players and you know, sort of the way in which they're not they're not contributing the way in which we would like. But I think, like I said at the start, and I'm not I'm not expecting us to have an answer to it in the next five minutes or whatever. But the thing that's worrying me is <laughs> it's just like uh, is that this isn't being seen, you know, seemingly because uh, as as you've all pointed out, yeah, you've got your best defensive midfielder sat on the bench. Uh, and he's been dropped seemingly over, over the past couple of games, and we're seeing the same errors, and that that's alarming. I'm, I'm I'm not expecting an answer from in the next five minutes, but that's that's what's worrying me, you know. For for to to, to believe that perhaps our management structure are the same narrative merchants as we see on Twitter, um, espousing the same old shite week in week out. That's a worry, I have to say, yeah, because <laughs> there's a there's a reality bypass that involved there that. You know, I, I, it's hard to understand what it's about. But Dave, I mean, just just to, yeah. to, to, to 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 I know, sorry, Harry, but <laughs> we, we you see we're coming back to it right almost immediately, which is why <laughs> which is why I'm trying to get that get through to the to the end of this half because, oh my God, the man is front and central again in a few minutes. Um, and just to go through those last couple of minutes leading up to that incredibly disappointing end to the half. And like I say, you know, we had our tails up. We should have been pressing home whatever advantage we had in terms of momentum, but no. Um, on 41 minutes, we have to take, we have to see Luis Diaz going off. And again, you know, I think earlier on the, the initial injury he had picked up was basically a guy landing on him, and um, it, it, I think that was uh, 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 certainly part of, of 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 the reason for him having to go off. That's 41 minutes when that change is made, and Bobby Firmino comes on. There are five minutes added, and again, if. Early, early on, I'm saying one thing that Liverpool should have learned to do after all the horror shows of recent um, times is begin a game with discipline. Well, surely to fuck, the, sh- the same should apply to ending a half where you've just gotten yourself 
uh, pulled yourself up by the bootstraps or whatever other cliches you want to use and gotten back into a game and we're actually looking the better team. But oh no, there is a nice little interplay by Simicus and Jada on the 45 minute mark. But then you go right down to the far end of the pitch. And for not the first time in the night, we couldn't clear our lines. It was like a clown show. Not one person could put their foot through the ball. Later on in the game, there's a, there's a really bad um, um, example of this where it's just embarrassingly awful and like someone like there who's standing like even Fab was half arson at this stage nobody can put their foot through the ball uh, and just clear our lines on on, on like I said on that 45 minute mark um, 48 uh, Odegaard uh, picks up a yellow card um, for a, a, a foul on Simicus and the half should be damn near over but on 49 uh, we lose possession Saka is, is the goal scorer we lose possession in the middle of the uh, park Martinelli drives down the left um, up against uh, Jordan Henderson and Trent comes across from behind uh, Jordan to uh, help cover there and he gambles that Martinelli's going to go outside so Trent kind of goes scooting past Henderson on the outside and it looks really bad because he's kind of overcommitted and then he's literally nowhere and he stands out as the guy who has made the glaring error whereas at some point in that run from Martinelli, I would like to see the player who's tracking him just kick him up in the just air. Him. Uh, but that didn't happen either. And the ball comes across and it's way too easy. It's way too easy for the tap in for Saka. It's depressing as hell. Uh, really, really depressing Dave, to, to end the half in that, in that manner. And like, I see, like you said earlier on, there's a glaring error there by Trent in terms of judgment call that goes awry. But he's not the only one, you know? No. Um, so, firstly, it's it's what, 48, 49 minutes when we get this free kick over on the left. Um, you know half time is kind of a, a minute away. You're away from home against the team who are, you know, nominally top of the table to start the weekend. You probably shouldn't be sending most of your team forward for that free kick. You should probably just play it short. And, uh, you know, get into half time 1-1, having gone behind and fought your way back into the game. And then they had taken control of the game for a period. You probably shouldn't be committing so many players up to their box. Uh, when you do, and it's a poor delivery by, um, by Costas that they cut out quite easily, you would really want your players who've gone forward uh, sprinting to get back and they didn't. They they jogged back, Virgil being the um, one of the primary ones who was seen jogging back as that attack began for Arsenal. But regardless of either of those things, when that ball drops to Martinelli, he is, what is he, 10 yards inside his own box, inside, inside our half? Yeah. And he runs unopposed into our box with Jordan Henderson backpedaling the whole way. Trent is covering Henderson, so he's not the last man. Henderson should be stepping in and fouling him. Try and win the ball, obviously, but if you don't win the ball, just grab him. Just wrap your arms around him and don't let him pass you. And just take that yellow card. Take one for the team. But again, and we've seen this happen 
in a couple of other games this season as well. He just won't do it. He will not engage a player. So he backpedals and he backpedals and he backpedals. And Mark Nelly's delighted with himself just carrying the ball. They have Gabriel running from centre-back, by the way, having outstripped all of our players, heading for our penalty area. And they've got two other players coming up on the outside. And our players are largely jogging back. Trent gambles. Now, we don't know if he gambles because he's gotten a shout to go and help. We don't know if Henderson calls for him to come and help. Or we don't know if he just gambles on it. But Trent gambles and he undercuts Henderson. Now, by undercutting Henderson, what I mean is he goes, Henderson is side on. He goes to Henderson's right shoulder to stop Martinelli going outside of Henderson and getting to the byline and cutting the ball back. As soon as he does that, Henderson should be holding his run so that Martinelli can't cut back onto his right foot and come back in towards goal. But Martinelli cuts inside. Henderson keeps running, heading for the stands, going in search of, I don't know, a halftime refreshment or something. And Martinelli cuts back inside and just plays a simple ball across and Saka appears and taps home because Costas has had to go and cover Gabriel because Trent has gambled and gone across. Henderson goes that far in search of said beverage that he actually is the one that plays Saka onside because Costas, credit to him, actually managed to step up or hold his position and let Saka run by him. And if not for Henderson going so far in a direction he should never have been going in the first place, Saka will be offside. Or it would be very tight at the very least. So there are three mistakes there. Two of them are by Henderson. One, to not engage higher up the pitch and just foul him. Just fucking foul him. Two is Trent not getting across. And then the other Henderson one is when Trent comes across and he knows Trent is there, why does he continue to move in the same direction? as if Martinelli's going to go on the outside. Your job now is to stop him cutting back in field. He gets sent off for a wander. It's appalling defending. And it's just, it's it's shocking how little effort there is from this team. Like, they, st- they all turn around, put their hands up in the air and start giving out to the linesman, completely unaware that it's their player who has, their captain who has played them, played them on side. It's really poor. But like, We used to see it with us when we would be defending a set piece and we would win that set piece and we would counter. And back in the good old days, you'd have Mo, you'd have Sadio, you'd have Ox, you'd potentially have Rubble, you could have Emre Chan, all of them sprinting full force down the pitch to counter and expose a team that weren't getting back in transition. And it was the exact opposite of that today. Their lads were sprinting full pelt, length of the pitch, and ours just weren't getting back. And the ones that were already back just made a complete mess of it. But again, Trent will get most of the blame because he gambles and goes across, and the captain will be blame-free. We're going to have to 
end up talking, I think. It depends, really. I, I, I said it there on AIP last night, and I think I might mention it to Jan as well. Depending on how these two results go, we're going to have to have some serious conversations about about things uh, across podcasts where, because the matches are going to become almost irrelevant. Because if we don't pull a, a big result out against Rangers uh, in the week, that competition is looking dodgy. Whereas if we do, it offers a chance for salvation for the season. A, a, a heavy defeat against City, which, I mean, you know, is <laughs> highly, highly, highly possible. Yeah. Uh, and, and the lads are going to be looking around for the remnants of their uh their 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 you know hopes and dreams um so it just makes me wonder when i see it, it, it stats like this being quoted by by Cy Brunish there says uh mosal had three touches in our attacking third over the game uh so i saying you're you gonna tell me salah didn't want the ball that salah wasn't available to be passed to uh, he says you can't create a system that gets mo uh only three touches in uh, 71 minutes he was on the pitch and this is what i'm getting at i, I think there's a, there's like a lot of systemic chats to be had here uh or chats about system and the manager is going to be central to them and you know um just for the record, you're allowed to do that without, um, you know, sort of um, desecrating some sort of idol. It's, we're just talking about football matches and decisions. So everybody wants to see Jurgen Klopp do the very best uh, and all these players do the very best. It, but we have to talk about it if it's not happening. We're not Set- putting them in a position to do their best. Like, we're, we're just not. We're leaving Trent to expose. That's hurting him. We're not getting Mo the ball. Like, we're not giving the ball to our best player. Now, Fair enough, a couple of times lads did try and hit hit the, the cross-field ball. I saw another um, stat from, from Sai. Uh, two, I think, two successful switches of play yeah. today. We yeah. used to average about 17. But, like, it felt like every single time we tried, Tommy Asu just stood in front of him. And because the fella's 6-2 and really good in the air, he just won everything. So why did we continue to do that rather than just try and get the ball in behind him and let Mo run onto it? It was bizarre. We've we've talked about this before this season. Mo is being completely isolated, and we're using him like he's Stuart Downing, stuck out on the wing, chalk on his boots, get the ball cut inside, and play a six-yard ball back to. But that, midfielders. that very thing you're talking about speaks to uh, a, a low football IQ, and that's not what Thiago is, but he did it a couple of times. That's so not what Virgil. Virgil is. He did it a couple of times. It's like sort of it's like lads who are almost panicking because the system isn't working and they just have to keep doing the system. So it's 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 very, very strange. And Harry, like the second half begins and I don't know where your hope levels were, but I mean we do actually have a half decent beginning to this. There is on 46 minutes, to be fair, a dangerous ball, um, which got in Martinelli um, versus uh, Joe Gomez, who had come on for Trent at halftime. And his cross caused a little bit of chaos. Um, There was another one then where Martinelli had a cross to Odegaard, and Odegaard shot very tamely uh, in a central position at Alisson, um, when a a better finish could have seen them pretty much put the game to bed. there were a couple of offside decisions at that point, which went our way too. And I don't know 
it was kind of notable a few times watching the movement of Joe Gomez. Um, you know, he was really almost uh, exaggeratedly jumping forward to make sure that he was uh, holding that line. And it seemed to work for us on a couple of occasions because, like I say, they began uh, far the better in those opening minutes. But the silver lining is on 52, Bobby Firmino, who had come on towards the end of the first half, uh, has put us level. There's decent play by uh, interplay there with Thiago and Henderson in the middle of the park. Um, a nice ball down the side of their defence by Jota. Uh, and Bobby took it in his stride, finished it beautifully, back across the face of goal to the right corner with his left foot. It's a beautiful goal. Really nicely executed. Um, um, everything about it was 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 kind of picture postcard. And um, mm. on the basis of those opening few minutes, uh, against the run of play, you'd have to say, I'm just going to take you up as far as where we bring on um, on 68 minutes, uh, another couple of subs, uh, and I'll finish the rest of the second half with Dave. Um, because apart from that, after the goal... We have that instant where I think Odegaard sort of collapses in a heap and I, I think he's, if not feigning, he's definitely exaggerating. And then the play goes on because ref doesn't stop it. And uh, Gabby Jesus gets a, a, a wild elbow from Simicus to the head and he seems to be out cold, uh, but he's back up again on, on 59 minutes. So there's a couple of minutes there three minutes at least, which we know are going to turn up at the end. Uh, 61 minutes, Shaka, Shaka, of all people, did Joel Matip up like a kipper with a bit of, uh, you know, sort of uh, back street skills uh, with a Z. Uh, and then, you know, being Shaka, when he actually gets in and around, Joel blasts a shot wildly over from very close range. Um, a lot of Arsenal pressure on 62 minute mark as well. Uh, Simicus actually won an overhead clearance uh, on the volley uh, but thankfully there was a Saka handball in the lead up to that because I think he might have gotten a free kick against him or something like that for a high foot anyway I don't know how that would have worked um, anyway uh, Joe Gomez did really well I thought um, versus uh, Martinelli on about 65 minutes in a 1v1 and had, you know was looking comparatively solid and then on 68 um, Klapo does his substitutions and for the second time in three matches you're really scratching your noggin um, Ibu Kanate and Fabinho come on for Joel Matip there's the obvious swap and Mo Salah um, which meant that we had the captain heading out to be our uh, right wing threat uh, for the rest of the game where he proceeded to be or, well, nominally that. So in that chunk, um, up as far as that double substitution, um, is there anything you wanted to pick out? Did you want to have a look back over the goal or anything you wanted to mention specifically? Mm. No, it was, a, it was a good goal. I was I was happy to see Bobby continue this sort of um, this form that he's in and sort of the, the ruthlessness in front of goal. I thought it was a nicely worked, you know, good pass from Jota, really lovely finish from Bobby. So, I mean, we've, Sort of probably thinking about how the season is going to unwind now and, you know, and what we're going to be fighting for. So I mean, yeah, as many of the people who who want to who want to you know chip in with goals, uh, I'm quite happy for it to be honest at this stage. So uh, if, if Bobby's going to be that guy, fine. I, I, whoever it's going to be, like, um, that was a positive to cling on to. And 
you know, sort of important after conceding that real gut punch before half time. I thought there was a positive sort of spell uh, in that first half where we managed to assert ourselves back into the game. Uh, again, you, you don't, don't know how a team's going to react when you concede a goal at that time, right before right before the half. So that was positive to see. And uh, I think yeah, there, there were moments in the game that I think Jota surprised me actually by being a bit more of an accomplished footballer than I necessarily thought he was. I agree with Dave. He's not got he's not got the the skill set to necessarily be the best um, suited player for for that role. If we're going to be doing four two three one. Uh, he's, he's he's not a number ten. He's, he's just he's just not. But uh, I thought he, he he really did apply himself as hard as he could. Just for me, the game just changed quite dramatically after Diaz went off. To be honest, as well. Yeah. I think that we have we have no like for like with him. And uh, I think to to your other point, I think we really need to. We've spoken spoken about Henderson quite a lot, and there's some systemic issues in the defence, but. Whatever we've done, uh, and you imagine like, whatever decisions we've made that have left us in the situation where our best player is so marginalised in games, and I'm, I'm listening to these pods, uh, yours and Jan's and plenty of others, and I'm barely hearing Salah's name in these pods, and it's 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 remarkable that he's become uh, sort of so secondary, and and the fact that you would take him off uh, to come onto the subs and and, and then move. Hendo to to, to, to to right right midfield right wing um, I thought was pretty pretty scandalous a bit bit of decision making to be honest and I think it's you know as you mentioned you know Klopp has been wonderful seven years with him transformative journey so far for the club but he's he's not beyond criticism and I I, th- I think some of these decisions are like really like quite quite alarming I mean what are you doing there by by taking Mo off uh, Fab coming on. Fine, that makes sense. I mean, I, I think we all sort of would have understood if he came on for for the captain. Even you can even sort of write it off at that point as you know, it's seventy odd minutes. Captain's a bit tired. Bring on Fab. So you can justify it. Kanate uh, made no real sense to me, to be honest. Because fine if you want to integrate him, but you'd imagine you want to give him a start, maybe against Rangers first. Nice easy game. He's not played this season at all. To, to throw him into that game. I, I think we all rate him highly, but to throw him into that game, that situation, as a young defender, I thought it was just very, very weird to to do that. Only unsettled us even more. And you mentioned some of those scrambles in the in the penalty area for us, and he, he was involved in a couple of them as soon as he came on. So yeah, really bizarre decision. The, the only sort of uh, sort of grace in 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 that uh, series of substitutions was I was de- just <laughs> delighted not to see Jimmy. Uh, come because <laughs> you know so I was fearing fearing the worst of that situation and you know God knows I love my, my you know love me a bit of headband Milner in the right situation but this this was you know not, not that but just yeah very bizarre and I'm not sure about you but those subs and then I think what happened afterwards I mean but th- those subs they didn't give me a great deal of confidence that there was a ton of logic in those subs it felt quite. Uh, let, well, let's try this. <laughs> you know, let's let's try this uh, this combination of pieces in the, in in these holes and see if it uh, see if it comes to help us. Because it, yeah, I mean, based on what the the impact they made, um, yeah, wasn't wasn't great. Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of at a loss to understand. Um, I, I I mentioned that Joel Matip got done by Xhaka there, but I and it, it, Joel's had one or yeah. two Robbie, Robbie showings of late. But I'm at a loss to 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 be 
understanding what you're doing, uh, changing a, a centre half unless he's been absolutely appalling. Um, and then the other one is 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 really, 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 really hard to understand. Dave, the run-up, uh, do you know what, Harry? I'll probably be back to you for your wrap-up thoughts, the way things sure, are going, sure. going now, because I think where there are incidents, there's only a couple really worth talking about between now and the end of the game. Um, Gomez gets a yellow for time wasting on a throw in 71. Uh, Ibu Kanate does fantastically to block a dangerous ball in by Xhaka after Martinelli had kind of roasted us over there on that side again. Uh, on 72 minutes, they were pretty much besieging us, if we're being honest. And, we just, and this is the one I was talking about earlier. We just couldn't clean our, clear our lines. It, it was it was absolute comedy capers back there. Lads swinging at us, missing it, half clearing it to a couple of yards. Another lads uh, uh, hitting the back of other lads with just absolute clown show back there and in that on the back of that there is a penalty in the middle of all that panic that we brought upon ourselves by not being able to make a simple clearance um i understand our identity intensity and all those other words of playing out from the back but at times maybe just launch it and because we don't and because we are half-arsed in our attempts to get it away, the pressure stays and it builds to a situation where there is a penalty shout against Thiago, which when I saw it, I thought, oh, this will probably get overruled, won't it? Because it doesn't seem to be. I know Klopp is very much of the of the notion that it probably shouldn't have been given. But given it was, uh, um, Thiago's foot on Xhaka uh, was the uh, the criminal in this case. I'll let you come back to talk about that VAR thing in a minute, Dave. Saka puts the penalty way low in the corner, impossible for Ali to get near. It's well executed. Um, they have a couple of bits and pieces. We had a dangerous Nunes cross in 78 minutes. Um, we bring on Harvey Elliott on 79 to have a run around for the last well, we, what we'd imagine was going to be at least 15 minutes. Uh, Tierney for Odegaard uh, two minutes later. Uh, Partey puts a ball into Jesus uh, on 84. And I'm literally looking at this going, how in the name of Christ is this possible? So Partey's sort of strolling around the middle of the park and he dinks a ball into our box where Jesus is standing sort of as we look at our goal to the right of the penalty spot. And it's time to just sort of look around and take it down. And I'm going, how... How is that possible when we are a goal down at that stage? It was simplicity itself. Um, they owned the ball at that point. Absolutely owned it. We were just not in it. Pathetic at that stage. There's a total cock up from us on 89 as Jesus got in between Virgil and Ali on just a simple ball over the top. The lads got themselves in a muddle and the queer fella gets in. He's down on the ground then again. Um, five minutes are added. They bring on Enketia looking to waste some moments um, for Jesus on the 90th minute. Um, and they bring on Vieira as well for Saka in that time. But would you believe, if you haven't seen the game, we actually had the ability to play till 97. <laughs> and there he is, front and centre again, right at the end, when there is an opportunity as a ball drops in the box, a strikeable ball, it's, of all the people, it's um, the big man Hendo coming up to it. Of course, his effort is blocked. Uh, I don't know if we deserve to be uh, getting a, an equaliser at that point, because we had been so pathetic, I think, in that la late stage of the match. Uh, Dave, there's probably some glaring omission there. Um, is there anything in specific you want to pick out of that uh, uh, section of the match? Let me just run from half-time. 
Odegaard has a great chance on the edge of our box after nobody tracks him and he is basically has a free shot at Ali and scuffs it. That should have been a goal for them. That was more abysmal uh, tracking of runners by not not number 14 this time. This was by Thiago, uh, whose level just seemed to get dragged down by having to do all the work in midfield. Um, Klopp made his changes and... He obviously made the change at halftime, brings off Trent, uh, apparently now because he's injured, and we'll we'll see how long that one's going to be. It uh, doesn't sound great. So, you know, remains to see how long he's out for. Um, Gomez came on, and I thought he looked a little bit shaky until he settled in. Uh, makes the changes to bring on Ibu for Matip, which I understood, because I thought Matip had been poor, and Fab coming on. And... You, you looked at it and you thought, surely he's going to bring Henderson off here. Like, surely to God, he is watching what the rest of, her wa- of us are watching. And he is going to bring this fella off. This fella that's already been at fault for two goals. This fella whose passing has been poor. This fella who has not won a tackle, not won a ground duel, not won an aerial duel, has zero clearances, zero interceptions, has done fucking nothing in this game. Surely he's going to bring him off. No, he brings off Salah and he sticks Henderson right wing. And I'm convinced we're watching Kenny Dalglish in charge circa 2011-12. Don't understand at all what the logic was. And I would love to hear it from Klopp, what it was that he was thinking. Um, We're we're poor, like you said. We're, We're not even poor. We're pathetic in this spell. The goal, the penalty goal it's firstly it's a great penalty by Saka once he steps up it's a tremendous penalty really well struck keeper went the right way and still couldn't get close to it um but I, I don't understand how it's a penalty Trev first of all we are the masters of our own demise here as you said like we have at least three good opportunities to clear that ball at least three and we can't get the ball more than 30 yards from our goal Fab has a chance to just put his foot through it. And instead he just sort of toe pokes it and it gets cut out and they're back in. And I just don't know how it's a penalty. There's, if there's contact, it is absolutely minimal. It is absolutely minimal. And Jesus has already made contact with the ball when Thiago makes contact with him and has lost the ball. He just throws himself on the ground as he had done routinely. You mentioned that moment with Odegaard earlier on. Like, Odegaard is on the ground faking an injury. Jesus, he does get caught by Costas's arm. There's no doubt. But he goes down like Mike Tyson's after punching him clean in the chin and lies face down in the ground. The players obviously get really worried and start summoning people on to help him. And within a minute, he's up and sitting. Within another 30 seconds, he stood on the touchline having an animated argument with one of the officials about wanting to go back on. Like, two minutes beforehand, he was seemingly unconscious on the floor. And now he's up and ready to go again. Like, absolutely bizarre that the referee just allowed this to go on and on and on. They were at it in the first half as well with Ramsdale faking injury because we'd gotten a bit of pressure on them and he went down and faked an injury to try and just kill the momentum. It's clever, to be fair, but, you know, it's it's a shithouse tactic. Um, 
I just don't know how it's a penalty. I really don't know how it's a penalty. I don't understand Klopp's substitutions. I don't understand much of what happened in that second half. But then Klopp compounds things by bringing on Harvey Elliott for Jota and sticking him left wing. Like, he's left wing, Henderson's right wing, and you've got Darwin and Bobby up front. So you've got nobody who's really going to beat a man and put in a cross because Trent has gone off. So you've got Gomez at right back. Like, what What was he thinking? If, if he can come out and just explain what he was thinking, taking off Mo, leaving Henderson on, and then playing Henderson for the 95 minutes. You'll never hear it because he'll never be asked. The fuck he'll does he need? He'll, what, he'll what, never what, be asked. Like, what does he need to do to get the same treatment as other players get? Why is he held to so much lower of a standard than everybody else? There's lads on social media right now defending him, saying he did nothing wrong in the whole game, saying he did the right thing on the Martinelli or the Martinelli to sack a goal just before half time. What are you people watching? And why is it that if anyone else did what he did today, they'd be slaughtered? I've seen Naby Keita have significantly better games than that and get five out of ten in the echo. Like, it's it's maddening, absolutely maddening how this fella's allowed to just continually be bad. I said it the other day, the last time this fella was consistently good, the last time anyone can tell me the last time he strung three good games together was 2019. 2019. Since then, we've won a league title and a pandemic happened that took away over a year of everybody's life. That's the last time he had consistently good games because he went to centre-back in that night. No, sorry, not 2019. 2020, I should say. 2020. And he'd been garbage that season. So, no, hang on, I am right. It is 2019. It is 2019. It's be, it's the before he got injured, so I'm wrong. It's, what, February 2020? When is it, was that when he got hurt? So you're looking at January 2020, the last time he had consistently good games. That's nearly three years ago. Nearly three years ago of this fella being either injured or really poor or playing at centre-back and, and not knowing what he was meant to be doing because he's not a centre-back, so you, you can't blame him for it. But I'm you're looking at January of the title about, I was going to say, I'm also right at this stage. I mean, like you talk about fans noticing it and obviously fans are always going to have certain opinions and, and certain favourites and uh, you, know, you, you have the coaching staff notice it, but surely the players... The players, the players like, have uh, to notice it, Harry. And this is the thing. I I don't, like, I'm literally, this is speculation. And let me just say, this is speculation. Mm, and Dan Rhodes, when you're putting out quotes from this game, do not put this one out, because it is just speculation on a podcast. <laughs> do you wonder if certain players like Virgil and Ali and Fab and Mo and the lads that have been here for all the success have just taken a step back, or one or two of them have taken a step back, and looked at the sheer volume of praise for the success that those world-class players were responsible for that was given to Henderson and Milner, and thought, what the fuck is this? And when things go badly, it's those same world-class players who get all the blame and those same two who contributed far less on the pitch get none of the blame. And given what we said about uh, Mo Salah and his personality and his desire and all, all that, you know, what you could sort of glean from sort of the, the player we've seen for however, however many years now, 
I'd be very surprised. I, I really would. I'd be very surprised. Even he's a, he's a model pro. I believe all of that. I'd be very surprised if he's not sat uh, well, like somewhere after that game, like, and he doesn't have a word with the boss and go, "Sorry, boss. I mean, like, like we needed to win that game, and mm. like, like I'm, I'm sat there, and like." The, the tactical change you've made is to play is to play <laughs> Hendo in my position. Like, yeah, can you can, can you explain it to Mo, me? But least? the thing is, Mo is a fella who likes to get his flowers. Mo wants to be recognised for the contribution he has made to this team, and I think most of the others will as well. Surely to God, one or two of them have got to look around and look at that captain and say, that fella doesn't even play the same sport as us. But yet he got gifted footballer of the year, the year we carried him to the title. He's got a Champions League winner's medal because of us. Last season we carried him, despite the fact he was awful, to an FA Cup and uh, League Cup double. We would have won the league if not for him. And now we're being told that it's because of him and Milner and the standards they set and they're naming fucking doors after them. And Pepin Linders in his book, Intensity, available at all good booksellers, is bigging the two of them up. Well, where's my praise? Where's the praise that I warrant for what I've done for this club, which is actually raise the standards, which is actually win major honours, which is lead this team or carry this team, in Mo's case at times, to major honours. One or two of those lads have got to be looking at this situation thinking, how is it? That in 2022, those two who hold this team back get all of the praise and none of the blame. We get a fraction of the play, the praise and all of the blame when things go badly. I compound that with the fact that they're looking at us being linked with too many and being linked with Bellingham and seeing those things just fall away into dust um, when they could have had them as teammates. Yeah, and uh, hearing hearing that there's I no other no, midfielders no out there who are better than these two. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and yeah, it's, it's, anyway, final wrap up toss from you in a second, Dave. Harry, yours now, my friend. Yeah, uh, I'd say there's a, a number, unfortunately, I mean, I've, I've not got, I mean, the, the only positives I'd really take from this is um, Darwin gets his goal, looked lively, and I hope he can take it, you know, take more leaps on from here. Uh, he's he's going to be very important for us this season, and it's, it's important that we get him firing. Um, just as it's important that we get, you know, most Salah looking back to his best, or just involved a hell of a lot more as well. I mean, however, we have to amend the side now. I think let's be realistic. I mean, Diaz being out, big blow. Trent being out for however long is a big blow. Um, Artur, the mysterious Artur, who we never even saw, uh, who's, who was a midfielder brought in very late on because we had belated down that we'd made a mistake. And then brought in a midfielder um, who hadn't played for a while and has actually had some injury issues as well. Uh, and then he, you know, he gets injured trying to wrap himself up to to play our type of football. So I think we we sort of got what we deserved there a little bit, unfortunately. Uh, so I, yeah, I'd say d- disappointed that we lost the game. Just, just focusing just on the game itself, uh, I think you know we, we were unlucky to lose that. I don't think Arsenal were that good to be honest. And there, and there were a couple of refereeing decisions that come back to bite us, though. Uh, however. The same systemic issues are there, and as we've all discussed, sort of the our fear is is that these these issues don't seem to be really being recognised uh, by the manager because even though you're changing the the shape, and I can understand the logic behind that, you, you are leaving in personnel there who who are not really up to the the level um, this season, um, and it's it's tiring to 
to say it. And like just on that last point that we were talking about with players, you know, being upset with you know, different treatment and no meritocracy. I do not want that to be the case, by the way. I, 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 I do not want discontent uh, amongst no, the camp. No, definitely not. I, I want players to be united. This can help us get out of this. But I'd just be stunned if there's not some of that questioning going on because it, it really does seem quite uh, brazen at, at points um, in this game and, and how it unfolded and the weird substitutions uh, in the last, last sort of 20 minutes or so. I think we'll probably just shine a bit of a light on that. So... Yeah, it's not great, um, and uh, <laughs> I, I wasn't looking forward to this game, uh, and I'm really, really not looking forward to uh, the next game. Uh, so, uh, whatever we can, like, whatever we can do uh, to, to find a way through that game um, in some sort of positive result, if, if that's if that's possible, that would be really great. If the lads could just um, come together and think about what that could be, uh, even if we have to sort of. Uh, change, change our style completely uh, to something disgusting. I don't, whatever it needs to be to not come out of that game with uh, what could easily be a hammering. I think we're all probably fearing that. Uh, yeah, there'll be um, there'll be a rival recon ahead of that game, uh, which I'll be yeah, yeah well I'll, I'll be quite sheepish on I imagine um, ahead of the city game. But yeah, just overall, unfortunately, it's just disappointed uh, that we've lost that game in particular. And yeah, worried, worried about where the where the answers are going to come from. Yeah, I think that's a that's a very common feeling right now. And of course, when Harry talks about the next game, he's uh, he's next one in the Premier League, uh, which he's referred to yes. there as, as the City one. Um, Harry, Dave, and I will be back for in about seventy two hours time for the the uh, the Rangers uh, yeah. uh, uh, chat. So hopefully that will be a slightly more upbeat than this evening's has been. And Dave, your final thoughts to wrap up the show. Um, I in in spitballing about potential issues behind the scenes, and and again, like Harry, you don't want that to happen, and and really hope that's not the case. But there's definitely one or two of them that have sat at home and said to their wife or their mate, like, "Can you believe the credit that this fella gets? Like, we watch him and train, and and like, you know, we we have Fabinho and Thiago, and people pretend this fella even plays the same sport as them." let alone is on their level. It has to happen. It has to happen. Players are the best. Players know how good other players are. Um, the, the shot. <laughs> the, the, what was the shot, Trev? What was he doing? Put your foot through the ball. It drops to you with space on the edge of the box in the last minute. Just put your foot through the ball. And it's a weak side-footed flick at the ball. Awful. Um, great to see Darwin score. That was That's the the only real positive from today. Darwin scoring and that little bit of link up between Darwin and Diaz. And we almost saw it the other way around, Darwin to Diaz a couple of minutes earlier. That, I think, is a link up we will see an awful lot of over the next five to seven years. Like, I could really see in a post-Mo landscape, Liverpool playing a shape that involves a front two that's those two and someone else on the left wing with Diaz more central. Um, because I really do think there's there's the possibility for their games to mesh brilliantly as a one-up, one-just-off type. Um, the Diaz injury is, is a big concern coming out of this one, as obviously is the Trent one. But at least with Trent, we do have Joey Gomez who can slot in there. And perhaps, perhaps Gomez will do well enough that when Trent comes back, 
Jürgen maybe considers trying him in midfield because could he do a worse job than what's been the right-sided midfield position this year? I don't think he could. Um, aside from that, like I said at the start, we were fucking awful today. Absolutely awful. That is a performance for those players to be ashamed of. That is an effort level for those players to be ashamed of. That is a managerial performance for Jurgen Klopp to be ashamed of. And like I, I don't buy into this whole, you know, seventh season syndrome with Klopp. But, you know, the Dortmund seventh year went bad, the Mines seventh year went bad, and maybe that's just what it is, and maybe we just have to write this season off in terms of the league. But if we don't get top four, I mean, you can forget about Jude Bellingham. I think people should probably forget forget about him anyway. If we don't get top four, we're going to be looking at players potentially looking to leave, not players looking to join. And that would be absolutely disastrous. And if you allow these teams, the likes of Arsenal, to get into the top four and then increase their pull in the transfer market, if they're willing to carry on spending the way they have been, that becomes a major issue for us. Um, we remember when we, under Klopp, overtook United, overtook Arsenal, and they all thought, oh, it'll only be for a year or two, and now it's been six years of them looking at us in envy. It doesn't take long for the tables to turn. And Everybody at Liverpool, from the top down, ownership, Mike Gordon, Julian Ward, in particular Jurgen Klopp, and that group of players, they need to be taking a long, hard look at themselves and asking, how have we taken something that was going so well and made it go so badly in such a quick period of time? And there has to be answers. There has to be answers. Now, those answers obviously don't need to become public, but they have to have frank and honest discussions behind the scenes. Some major issues have happened at Liverpool. Something went wrong in pre-season, for sure, because the players don't look right. They don't look like they're up to their normal speed. Did they get trained too much? Did they not get trained enough? Like, something went wrong in pre-season and has continued to go wrong. The tactical approach early in the year that was very much inspired by Pep and Linders was a disaster and thankfully has largely been binned off. This 4-2-3-1 I do think can work, but it can only work with Fab and Thiago or Fab and Naby. It's not going to work without Fabinho. It's just not going to work without Fabinho. And now we've obviously lost our primary creator in Trent. We've lost our outball in Diaz. It's a bit like losing your heart and your lungs in one one fell swoop, you know. So we're we're going to be in trouble, and we we may get mauled at City by by City next week. We may well get mauled by them. Like if you're if 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 Virgil and Joel play next week against that fella, the way they did today against fucking Permacry, we're going to get battered. We're going to get absolutely battered. And if Bernardo Silva is given the freedom of the park in the same way that Granite Jacket was given the freedom of the park today, he will absolutely tear us apart. So I'm not in any way confident of that game. Rangers at least should be a straightforward win because they're not very good. But away at Ibrox in this level of form, who knows? 
we don't get out of this Champions League group, though, fucking burn the whole thing down. 100%. That's the season over. From you this week, I presume the usuals um, uh, and uh, particularly jaundiced uh, attitudes um, emanating <laughs> from you over the course of the next few days. So do keep a, an eye out for uh, the Daily Red, for Two-Footed, and what else, Dave, have you got coming out? Probably uh, scout, scouted be, for both. Yeah, there'll be a couple of scouted. One for Rangers, one for... Uh, unlike, unlike Harry, who's more of a part-time podcaster, <laughs> myself and Carl, we do preview pods for all the games. And uh, not just the Premier League. Um, so yeah, can't wait to see the detail on uh, on Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> I have many things to say about them. Um, yeah, there'll be two scouted. There'll be there'll be a daily rage tomorrow, and then a daily red the rest of the week. And there will be uh, two footed every day. And you know, at some point, Tandon's going to have to come out of semi retirement and and face me on an old school because I've got a lot of shouting to do. And I. I prefer it when I get to shout at gags. That that's my favorite podcast is shouting at gags. Yeah, I think he's he enjoys therapist. it as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think I think Gags quite enjoys it actually, to be honest with you. <laughs> uh, so yeah, okay. Well, uh, we will reconvene this particular trio for the um, uh, Raw on Rangers, and we will speak to you, uh, like I say, in about seventy-two hours. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.